I can tell you that I was shaking. I was crying. He had tears in his eyes as I went down every single body part that had betrayed our marriage over and over again. Welcome to unscripted and naked honesty podcast about healthy boundaries and individuality with your host, Coach Andy, master listener and queen of mommy and marriage boundaries. Married businesswomen drowning in self-doubt find her when they want to create non-negotiable boundaries in their personal and professional relationships. She teaches them how to say yes to their wants, needs, and desires, and no to shame, anxiety, and guilt. Join us as we explore different topics related to setting healthy, non-negotiable boundaries and those topics most people won't talk about in public. Every week, we'll be discussing how to set boundaries in your life in the most brutally honest way. It's time to learn how to create a life you love behind closed doors. So activate the noise canceling features and listen to some truth bombs because it's time to get real, raw, and ruthlessly transparent. So the best version of you will always shine through. You do not want to skip this episode if you truly want to know how I forgave my husband of all the cheating, all the porn, even more cheating, and all the lies. So you guys know that this is episode 20 and it's story time. How I really forgave my husband. So back on episode four, I said I would tell you, I know that was 16 episodes ago, but I'm keeping my word. I said I would tell you how I came out of the depths of suicidal thoughts and tendencies and forgave my husband of years of infidelity that I was unaware of, that he finally confessed to me the week that my dad died that exact same week. To say I was overwhelmed is pretty much like having a 50-pound weight tied to my ankles and somehow I'm drowning in two inches of water. Can y'all picture that? It seems unbelievable, but yet that's exactly how it felt. So first, let's talk about the decision to forgive. At the time, I remember exactly that I was, as soon as he told me, I immediately said, I forgave you. This was after we had done our vows of no divorce. We wouldn't even mention the word divorce. That was the only, I didn't even mention divorce when he, um, when he confessed, I actually just said, I'm not going anywhere because he kept saying, you're going to leave me. You're going to leave me. That's, that's just what is going to happen, but I can't keep lying. And I told him, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. What could be so horrible? Like it didn't even compute in my mind that it could be the numerous affairs you know, that it happened in strip clubs and porn. Like none of that crossed my mind. None of it. 
I was just like, gosh, what could be so bad? I thought maybe something had happened at work and he, he got fired or something. But when he told me, I instantly forgave him and said, I loved you. I'm in this. You know, we will get through this. And after the high and the the emotion of going through all that on both of our sides, first his confession, then me realizing what he was confessing, and then the tears, and then the, you know, I still love you, forgive you, I'm not going anywhere. It was over the next couple of days that it really hit me. And I was like, damn, this freaking sucks. Like that's putting it super lightly and trying to keep this still PG. And I was like, wow. So that's what came first. The immediate decision to forgive him was natural. And I don't regret that at all. But the consequence of his confession and the realization of what actually happened in our marriage and the progressive lies for years. We're talking, when I say years, from is like over a period of four years. About no, about three. About three and a half years. Then I started to I didn't regret forgiving him, but then I started to feel the resistance of, well, did I mean it? Because I'm feeling incredibly shitty right now. Like I am feeling like I I can't have sex with him. You know, the just the disconnect physically was starting to come in. The underlying sort of bitterness of how could you started to creep in? Like why would I ever believe you? Just all all of that started to flood in over the next like 48 to 72 hours. And that was the resistance of wanting to live this way started to come in. And then that's when I started to have the suicidal thoughts of how can I get rid of this pain? I started staying in bed all day. I wouldn't get up and do school with the kids. At the time we had seven. We started staying in, I started staying in bed all day. I stopped eating. I was, I was severely depressed and I just told the kids I was sick. And then I started thinking, well, how can I do it quietly? Basically, how can I kill myself quietly? What would the kids do if I just wouldn't wake up? They could just call daddy and say, mom's not waking up. I was going over in my head how my kids could convey to dad, mom's just not waking up without it being messy. When I say messy, I was thinking, well, if I slip my wrists, that's kind of messy. But if I just stay in bed and fall asleep, you know, it's not messy. Mommy's just not waking up. And then that would be okay. That's, this is what I was telling myself. I want you to know that people, at least for me, but people who have these thoughts or in this deep depression are completely out of, I think, out of touch of reality of how it impacts others. We're so consumed by our own grief and mourning. The grief, I was grieving and mourning over the loss of the purity I believe that I had with my husband. 
And not only that, my father just died. And we had to go back to his funeral and I had to act like everything was okay. My husband just confessed. I had to put on a smile. How are you guys? Oh, look at the baby. And that's when all that resistance was coming up. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to continue living like this. A facade, a fake. It's not real. So I faked it through the funeral and time with friends and family. And by the time we got back home, it was full blown. How do I do this? Not messy. It was consuming. And then something happened where I allowed myself to take a moment because Jeff was asking, is there anything I can do? I said, there's nothing you can do. And I wouldn't leave the bed. I mean, he couldn't say sorry enough. He couldn't say I love you enough. He couldn't, he started to realize. And then he started asking, did you really forgive me? And I'm like, I believe I did. But it's overwhelmingly depressing. You know, I didn't know how to explain it. And I allowed myself a moment to, I would say a moment of clarity. And I reached out to God for help. I was like, I, I can't live like this. You know, I, I was I was in that no way, zero, never state of mind. And I opened myself up to the possibility. God, can you fix this? Because I can't. Because my way, I knew it was a horrible way. But let me tell you that that overwhelming, consuming cloud such a dark cloud wouldn't let me see any other way. So I opened up my heart to God and he said to get a particular book. We had done a couple's Bible study a couple years prior. And I remember him leading me to this book to a particular passage, not passage, but a story. And it was a story on infidelity of a wife of how she forgave her husband. And I heard the words, do that. And I said, okay. But I had a condition. Let me tell you straight up right now, you do not give God conditions. You can, you have that freedom. I'm just saying it don't work that way. Because somehow when he says, do this and you do that, your condition is null and void and insignificant and irrelevant and pretty much dust. Okay. Okay. So he said, do this. I said, okay. I didn't hesitate. Jeff was at work. Um, It was near lunchtime and I called him. I said, can you come home over lunch? He said, yeah. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Didn't ask, didn't question. That doesn't always work with his work. But like I said, <laughs> you don't put conditions on God when he says to do something. Jeff came home. And this is how I forgave my husband and entered into marital bliss. When he came home, I said, I have to do this. Are you willing to do 
what I ask? And he said, yes. I said, get naked. He started stripping. I got naked. So we're standing there in front of each other in our most vulnerable way <laughs> ever. And I had some frankincense oil that, you know, I foodie, you know, naturalist here. So I had some essential oils. I had some frankincense oil and I put some on my finger and I, I guess, I don't know if I made a cross on his head, just touched his head with the oil. And I said, I forgive your mind for deciding to have sex with other women. And then I went to his ears. I put oils on his ears and I said, I forgive your ears for listening to the adulterous woman who seduced you into having sex with her. Yeah. And then I went, I didn't touch his eyes with the oil, but I went over his eyes and I said, I forgive your eyes for looking lustfully at another woman, women that were not your wife in order to have sex with them later. And I went over his nose and I anointed his nose. I said, I forgive your nose for smelling and taking in the aurora, the aroma of other women who were not your wife while you were having sex with them. And I moved down to his mouth. I forgive your mouth for lying to me in order for you to kiss on other women's body parts that were not your wife. And you took pleasure from that. And then I went over his neck and I said, I forgive your neck for turning your head in the direction of other women so that you could have sex with them. And I went down his entire body. And when I say I went down his entire body, I'm saying I went down to his hips. I anointed his hips and I said, I forgive your hips for thrusting your penis into another woman's vagina that was not your wife's in order to have sex with them and to get pleasure from them. And I did the same thing with his penis and his balls. I did not put oils on these, but I did the motion over them. And then his thighs, his legs, his feet, now, if you want the full, <laughs> the full description of how I went over his entire body, you'll see the link in the, in the podcast uh, description, and it will link you to my book, the memoir, my marriage memoir that details every single body part that I anointed and that I forgave right then and there. I can tell you that I was shaking I was crying. He had tears in his eyes as I went down every single body part that had betrayed our marriage over and over again. And when I was done, I stepped back. I remember taking a deep breath because I was so shaking a little. And I looked him in the eye. I said, Jeff. I forgive you. This is, besides having babies come out of my tiny little body, which is 
in and of itself a miracle, that was the most profound miracle I've ever experienced in my entire life. When I said the final, I forgive you. Instantly. And I mean, instantly. The burden of that depressive suicidal state was gone. I embraced my husband with pure love. And he embraced me. And we conceived our eighth child that day. Two weeks later, we found out we were expecting again. It was the first time that Jeff had ever said, like, congratulations to us. We're having another baby. He was so in love with the fact that we were having another baby. <laughs> there was complete peace over the both of us, not only with having more children, because he was, he has been hesitant, I should say, with having more children, um, you know, concerned about, well, not really concerned about anything, not about the financial side of it, but just having kids in general. And that was the first time he truly, I would say, welcomed the idea of having more children. And when nine and 10 came, just totally happy, right? And that, what is our little Emma, who was born out of that miracle conception and forgiveness moment, we call her our marital bliss baby. Because from that point on, we've been living in marital bliss, which means I have no bitterness, no resentment, no depression, anything. When I think about my affair or, or Jeff's affairs, cheating, none of it, none of it is triggering at all. And I love him more than I ever thought I would, which was part of God's promise after the one affair I did know about when he said, you will be more in love with this man than you've ever been in your life. And I was like, bullshit. I, I want to divorce him. <laughs> like I will live like a roommate with, with Jeff before I will ever be in love with him. And of course we, we don't, I, See, that's, that's what I love about God. That's what I love about Jesus. He's like, don't worry about it. You can have all the doubts you want because it's not a requirement for my truth and my word to come true. Can we get an amen on that, please? Because, yeah, I'll say it. Because all of his promises, I doubted every single one. I was like, no way. I will actually try to make it not happen. Like, that's how stubborn I was. Like, uh-uh, I'm not even going to try to be happy with this motherfucker. <laughs> like, that's exactly my, my, my mindset. That's where it was. I'm not even going to try to be happy. And it doesn't matter. You can still have all the doubts and fears and insecurities, but if you do it, do that, your doubts and fears can be there. It does not waver on his promises and what he says will happen.
And I've been living, like I said, in marital bliss ever since that final, I forgive you. And so, as you know, we've had four more children since then, or some of you may not know, but now we have, um, we're probably done. (laughs) We're just, we are getting older. I'm in my, almost my mid forties. And I just realized, you know what? Okay. I got it. 11 kids, my hips and everything's not as together as it would be as, you know, when I was 22, I got that. I got that. I'm getting a little bit older, but my point is, as I share with you, how I really forgave my husband. This is because one, I want you to have hope. You don't have to have gone through the affairs, the cheating, the lying and all that, but maybe you're going through something else and it feels just as devastating. I didn't have any hope at all that this, that, that would have, that it would have worked. I doubted it, but he said, do it. And I was like, okay, because I have nowhere else left to go except in the ground. So I can at least do this before I go there. That's what I thought. I totally thought I would do it. And then maybe later that day or the next day, I would finally just kill myself. That's what I thought would happen. Thank God I was wrong. I love being wrong. That's one thing you'll learn about me. Tell me I'm wrong, please. I don't mind being wrong because being wrong has brought me to where I am today blissfully happily married to the love of my life despite all the shit we went through i have 11 children oh my god <laughs> 11 kids they're amazing and i get to tell you guys about it because someone else is going through something similar or they didn't think that anyone could understand but i do i understand And so I want you to know that you're not alone. And so if you're feeling a pulling from God, whatever you believe to to do that, do something that is in line with your heart, your soul and your faith. And I don't mean to take your life. Oh, gosh, no, 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 no. I will say in full transparency, that is the most selfish, despicable act you could ever do. I know you're going through something shitty and it's hard. I know. And I know exactly how you feel. But it would have been a shitty, selfish act on my part had I followed through. So selfish of me. Talk to somebody. Even if it's yourself, talk to somebody. So that is my story, how I came out of the depths of suicidal thoughts and tendencies and how I really forgave my husband. You get the full story, all the nitty gritty, opens, step into our bedroom as we are going through it in my marriage memoir book that is linked in the show notes of this podcast. Pick up your copy today. I promise you, if it does not move your heart in any way, I will give you a full refund. Just be like, nope, Andy didn't get anything out of it. Refund my money. No problem. 
But for some of you, maybe, just maybe it'll be your saving grace, realizing, yeah, you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this. I super love you guys. Thank you for listening to this very (laughs) open and vulnerable story of how I forgave my husband. And you know what? It may not be your husband that you need to forgive like this. But trust me, this works on yourself too. You take some essential oils and if there's something you need to forgive yourself about, anoint your head, anoint your heart and forgive yourself. We all make mistakes, but it doesn't mean we can't still be super loved and living a blissful life that you can't even imagine, but God already sees you living. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to spread the super love, please share it or post about it on social media. Feel free to also leave a rating and review. To catch all the shenanigans going on, you can follow me on Instagram at The Skinny Mommy. Just remember, I got you. Stay true to you, and I pray you feel super loved today.